Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Valley Deep Mountain High podcast. As always, if you've just found the podcast, please head over to the at the Valley Deep Mountain High page on Instagram, where there is much more content to be found. I'm joined today again with my good friend, Jonathan Flynn. Uh, how are you, Jonathan? You all right, mate? I'm good, mate. Good. How are you? Good, good. So originally, this episode was going to be called The Director's Cut all about influential films and awesome stuff. But it's now going to be called Take Two, because we did do a recording last night that failed. So round two it is. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a good second time round. Yeah. Or maybe even better. It may. I think it'll be better. We've had like a practice run, basically. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, mate, let's, uh, let's hit it off. Let's go for it. I think uh, we, a similar sort of idea to yesterday, then we'll do... Um, sort of fictional films that have been influential to us sort of growing up. And like you said, there's, there's millions of films we could talk about. And then we'll do a couple on like um, like documentary films for adventures and stuff. Yeah, sounds good to me, man. Cool. Hit us off, mate. You go first. Let's go. Yeah, so uh, there's two. And the action adventure was having a good think. And like you said, there's millions of films it could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give some honourable mentions um, to some and a little bit of user engagement, but we can look forward to that later. Before we wrap up, just remind me to do that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, there's two on my list, and I reckon if I say one, you probably say the other. So if I said um, on climbing films, they're a bit cheesy, oh, right. they do the job. If I said uh, vertical limit, what would you say? It's got to be the one and only, the ultimate master and the best of all cheese climbing films. It's got to be Cliffhanger. Yeah, mate. Yeah. The- <laughs> Two sides of one coin there. It's so good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll chat on about Vertical Limit and then you can hit me with some knowledge about Cliffhanger. Yeah, mate. Um, oh, these are very popular films, big-time Hollywood movies. A lot yeah. of people have um, probably seen them. And some people, probably the majority of people in the world, maybe not the people that listen to your podcast, yeah, will think that's what climbing's like. That's what mountaineering's like. These yeah. are... You know, these the people who go up Everest are uh I don't know, climbing climbing <laughs> free soloing mad uh, mad routes in the Rockies. Oh with, yes, in a vest. Yes, so um yes, yeah, so the <laughs> opening scene of that film is so watching it as a kid basically, because we were we were young when that film came out. And um Yeah, very it was kind of like the like well for our generation and for Hollywood sort of let's make an action adventure film about climbing with a cheesy spin on some explosives and stuff in there as well. Um, but it was kind of the first film of our generation. And I think that touched on commercial climbing. So to us watching it, it was like, get some, like check this out for a mint film. But looking back at it now as a climber, there's so much wrong with that film. <laughs> yeah, man. Like It's obvious they've tried to like, shoehorn in some schlocky action yeah um and i've never so... well, I, I, on that as well like i've never whilst i've been climbing multi-pitch been able to have a conversation like this um the length of a rope which three people <laughs> in the opening scene are managing to do hey like <laughs> just having true. a general chat with his kids like okay you can set off climbing now no shouting no words of command you know and then he starts climbing yeah. and he's like not even clipped into a belay because you see him like loading his green green, putting it into the anchor points and stuff. And like, 
but as a mid, kid, mid climb, yeah, as, as a kid, like, well, not only that as well. Um, so that bit of equipment in that opening scene of Gregory was new, um, oh, quite yeah. a new bit of kit. Um, so not only did I, I didn't even know what it was at the time, but I was you just look at it and think, oh wow, it's a film. Like looking at it, um, like Squaddies do when they watch a war film, you can just rip it to bits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, great film. Go on, mate. Sorry, go on. So yeah, it's interesting bits. Um, you were saying yesterday about like the build the characters up, obviously to give some some sort of depth to them. Yes. And um, if for those who've not seen the film, the start of it, there's um, there's a bit of a disaster caused by some other people, and they're exploding bolts. Oh yeah. That they yeah. stick in the wall. Oh my god. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, there's a dis- difficult decision needs to be made, and ends up uh, the main protagonist. Um, has to is encouraged to cut the rope, cut his father free of the rope so he and his sister can survive. Yeah. And um well his dad tells him to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's encouraged to by his father. <laughs> cut the damn rope, Peter, <laughs> don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, with a bit of um parental bullying, he he ends his father, unfortunately. But it, it sets him off in two different directions, doesn't it? The two characters. Yeah. And then we get into um she turns into this famous uh mountain guide and she's courted by this rich texas texan dude played by bill paxman who's great in the film he but is. he's the, he's he's the comical bad guy and he's so obviously the bad guy from the first second you see him yeah well, so, what is good yeah. as well uh, is about his character as well is um obviously when, when people talk about these mountains you know and um quite rightly so rightly and wrongly because it's it, things are climbed differently now but you know Everest K2 um, them type of mountains you know they should be looked at like the elitist mountains basically uh, yeah definitely cost a lot of money to go to to organise and go to you know to 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 plan and climb at that level is expensive you know it's, it's not just something you can just go and do it's a lot of time and effort um, amongst other things a lot of sacrificing has to be made um, yeah but you hear him, even as a bad guy, talk about the mountain. He's like, you know, it's if the mountain lets us do it and things like that. Um, and I think yeah, that was that quite, was Hollywood's... Yeah, he honours it quite well. Yeah, that, that was Hollywood's sort of... Um, like you said, It's it, it was their first look at commercial climbing um, at that level. Yeah. You know... There's um, a good cameo that... in it, actually, by Ed Vistias, who, who's a legit climber, if people don't know him. He's got, his, his book's really good. And he had guided many times. And I wonder if he regrets being in such a, like, a cheese fest film. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine they paid him pretty well. Or they, you know, supported, the studio supported one of his next adventures or trips or something or give him some mm. uh, promotion or something globally. But, um, yeah, I wonder if he, if he regrets being in such a cheese ball film. Mm. I mean, there's some <laughs> very good bits in that film, but I think... One of the great bits in that film has to be the ultimate cheese bit as well. Yeah. You know, you have <laughs> never in my entire life seen anyone not only build it up in such a dramatic, slow motion, cinematographic way of, mm. you know, putting a helmet on, tying in, um, sprinting full pelting crampons and then jumping like, you know, a good 60 foot across a gap and landing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He sticks it with his two. At least he's got two ice axes. That's more than you can stay safest alone oh but he's meant to be sprinting at twenty six thousand feet or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. not affected by i 
I, I, I went I went on holiday to um with my family. I went to Austria a number of times and a lot of vertical limit was filmed in the Austrian Alps. Mm-hmm. Well, the Italian Alps, where it met the Austrian Alps. I think for tax reasons or something. And they, they simulated a lot of the um, you know, they must have green screened a lot of the actual Himalayas in the background of all the close shots. Um, and it would have been hard to sprint like that at that altitude, you know, you're two and a half thousand meters up or so, and that, that can get to you a little bit. Mate, I think it would have just been hard sprinting in crampons and like, crampons. Yeah, you're probably right. All boots and all your salopettes and that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, stiff boots. <laughs> I think um, there's another bit in that film which is epically cheesy as well so anyone who does lead climbing and, and try climbing obviously you know use it use a um full array of, of kit basically from um you know quick draws um micro wires wires cams or friends and you see a bit with a girl um who jumps a gap with a single cam and not only get perfect placement in a gap as she's jumping it also holds yeah and uh anyone who's placed <laughs> lead gear knows that like it might look like you just kind of slot it in and it does its thing. There's actually quite an art to putting a bomb of gear in. And, you know, I've let, I've done lead climbing with you and I know that I've gone past some of your gear and been like, hmm, I might not have done it that way. And you've yeah. gone past mine and gone, might not have done that. But it's because it's it's subjective. You know, what I think is a bomb of bit of kit might not be for what you would take. So, you know, to yeah. have this film where this woman's just like jumping and just throwing cams in and just being like, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fine. Throwing cams in, yeah. She does, you know, watch it back. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that scene it's, later on. It is amazing when she, yeah, I remember the scene she's on about, and she can hold on to it with just like finger strength. She must be a yeah. good climber. Well, she breaks her finger as well, doesn't she, doing it? Yeah. It's a finger. <laughs> oh, grim. Um, oh, interesting yeah, as well, I'm sure that's the same actress who plays um, Dizzy in Starship Troopers. Is it? Oh, I don't know if it is. I think it is. She was I, in them. Um, she was a bongo, wasn't she? That one. I think so. I'm going to look up later oh. on because that's also one of them in film. Um, on terms of Matt Renoon, before yes, I go is. into uh, the ultimate film, Cliffhanger, the all-time favorite. Yeah. Um, Everest <laughs> is a fantastic film. Yeah, well. really good. We um, mentioned it in the um, in the Page Master podcast. That's yeah, we did about books, didn't we? But yeah, yeah. That, well that's researched. Great. They do Hollywoodify some of that, like some of the characters. It's all very realistic, yeah. which is nice to hear and see, and finally get the the sort of respect that it deserves. Yeah. That the difficulty that they're going up to. So oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't know if Fisher was drinking bottles of scotch at base camp. However, <laughs> he you know he did get into hot water with his um, his fitness when he got there, or his his health, should we say? Yeah, yeah, I think so, what was. Yeah. Um... What was a great scene in that film? Um, again, you're Hollywood doing a very good because obviously Hollywood gets some stuff right and some stuff wrong in, in anything that they portray that's been a true story or got you know anecdotes to an event. Um, mm-hmm. and by no means am I a director or anything. <laughs> what they do well is, um, when Doug the postman is, is you know, he's almost game over altitude oxygen and you hear him on the radio and and there's another guy at the bottom being like come on mate you need to leave him and he's like yeah but he's not he's not dead i'm like well you know you know the score like you need to leave him and they're like no i'm not doing it and it it, again you know for commercial climbing and guiding and things like that they do a very good job at portraying um you know the right and wrong culture in, in in mountaineering yeah 
that was good. Um, really yeah, powerful. Yeah, great, great, great film. Great film. Anyway, so the first film I ever saw for the outdoors uh, was Cliffhanger. Oh, uh, yes. And I, the I, 90s. I, I, the, yeah, the 90s are strong in that film, eh? I um, <laughs> I, I guarantee everyone's seen Cliffhanger. And if you haven't, there's, there's definitely something wrong with you because it's, it's a classic. Um it's pure cheese with a little bit of cool outdooriness when you're a kid watching it. Um, <laughs> the climbing, some, you know, some of the actual climbing scenes that you see at the beginning where people were climbing um, are fantastic. But then, obviously, it's highlighted with some proper no-nos, like we'll get some SWR off a winch and we'll bolt it to the ground and then we'll land it whilst the helicopters and then we'll, we'll traverse people across. It would never happen. Um, yeah, from one one peak to another with yeah. a helicopter that's bolted to the ground. Right. And, uh, okay. Again, you know that that sets the scene a very dramatic um, entrance to a film. So straight into it, you know, of of yes. sadly, you know, Captain Hot Tubs on one side, Stallone's on the other. <laughs> Captain Hot Tub. <laughs> Captain oh, yeah. Hot Tub. And um, and uh, sadly, his misses, you know, as a as a catastrophic failure of a harness, unbeknown to her, and. Um, you know, false unbeknown to the makers of the harness as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Black Diamond, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's Black Diamond, um, sued the production company because they were like, You've showed our kit failing in a way that would never happen. I mean, like, your harness essentially is a belt with two leg loops that are, you know, the leg loops are there to give you a seated position. Um, you could argue they don't really do anything. Um, obviously, you need your belay loop in that seated position to do. Um, abseiling and, and you know anything like that but they don't really do much however I've never known a harness ever in all my years of climbing since being a boy wearing a, a one piece harness um, for it to undo one buckle but then everything every single strap comes undone on its own like some poltergeist like, like, like die. made of cheese strings or something. <laughs> oh, <mate. laughs> yeah one, one <laughs> continuous bit of cord um, but yeah that was a great film growing up as a kid that was um, so good yeah, um, kind of pushed us on our way to the outdoors. Oh, know, definitely. Got, really harnessed some of that, like, dude energy that was so prevalent in the 90s, proper macho. Yeah, um, and the crazy the crazy. I slept with the outdoors. Oh, yeah, all the all the fluoro gear, the, the, like, stoner base jumpers that are in it, and the talk like yeah. Bill and Ted. They're funny. Shell suited up. Well, there's a guy there's, there's a guy who follows um, my page and the podcast. In, in fact, his Instagram is amazing. He's called The Scottish Adventurer. Um, g- got fantastic content on his page for everyone. I, I recommend you give that guy a follow because his, his page is ace. But I know he listens to the show. Um, he too has a love of some of the brands that I wear and stuff. And, you know, a lot of my kit in the outdoors is, is dark, but, you know, it's not all aware. I do have different colours. His words the other day, which was absolutely amazing, were the days of going into the mountains dressed like a Power Ranger are over. And I was like, <laughs> amazing. You could not have summed it up better, you know, because times change, you know, times change. I quite like the Power Ranger look. I've got a few purple numbers. got a yeah. fleece, a caramel fleece. My dad, my dad used to wear. I mean, yeah, you see my dad. So yeah. it, me and him aren't the same size anymore. So that was, tells you how long ago it was. Um, but that's got some choice, choice fabric and choice colours straight yeah. from the the eighties. So, yeah. yeah, I think the only the only sort of old school bit of kit that I now have um, from uh, my dad 
I think is I've got the very first mountain hardware. Uh, it was called the Monkey Fur Fleece. So it's oh, the first yeah, fleece yeah. that means like you know that furry Remember fleece that, that furry Poltec. And um it's that good of a, an outdoor cabinet, it's too warm. That's yeah, that's rare warm. that happens, isn't it? Yeah, nice like, problem to have. I remember I was gonna buy buy one of yeah. them off your brother once. Um, well they still they still make that instead. Yeah. Well that's really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's ace. I mean, um so I was looking to get in, I think it's called a Snap Tea Patagonia fleece jumper. Um some some of that Patagucci love that everyone likes. Yeah, um, okay. But you know, if you built like the average size male, they'd well hard to get hold of at the minute because <laughs> yeah. you know, they just are. Jen managed to find one on a website um that sells like second hand outdoor kit. Um specifically certain brands like Patagonia and Arterex. Um, I'll try and find the website for you. She managed to get one because um, it's the same design. I haven't changed the design um, at all, but it's in old school climbing colours. Nice. Um, it is mint. I was like, you've done well good to get that. I mean, one that is in mint condition and fits, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, right, mate. So moving moving on, moving on, um, onto the, the war genre of films. Um, yeah, war films. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to hit us up first with... Uh, I'm going to say Full Metal Jacket. Oh, what a film. Love that film. And I'm going to say Platoon. It, and it has to be war films from the same era. And it's more so because when we were kids, you know, films that were being made about Iraq and Afghan, they they hadn't happened. Yeah. So the only films that were, were portrayed from, from war, really, um, were either completely fictional, like Tears of the Sun or something like that, um, or, you know, like I said, that platoon is, 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 you know, the director's account of what happened when, yeah. when he was, you know, he's the conscripted tour of, of, of so the Nam. What's interesting, I'm going to throw another, a third one in there that we didn't mention yesterday, but I really want to mention Apocalypse Now. It was probably yes. the first look at the Vietnam conflict. And it goes mm. a bit off the rails. Um, you could do a whole podcast on that, just that film, because there's so many yeah. good quotes about it. Um, so it, it starts pretty well. Um, following the lines of a really good book called Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Right. And that's all about um, this guy who's, who's been, he's employed by a trading company in the colonial times and he goes into the, the jungle in Belgium and he, um, he turns all the slavers that are getting the, um, the rubber, the, the getting the rubber plants and, cutting them down yeah and he turns them into his own like private army and he's like this big cult of personality similar to how marlon brando's character in apocalypse now is but during the film <laughs> during the filming of it they got a bit into the drugs and had a bit of a crazy time and marlon oh, brando actually, went, actually whilst they were filming whilst they were filming yeah. apocalypse now yeah they, 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 they oh right I didn't martin know sheen who's the main sort of protagonist he's yeah. recruited to go into and find and recover this ex us general that's now become like his cult leader in in the middle of cambodian the cambodian jungle yeah. and oh got a little... he actually had a nervous breakdown during the film of it and they filmed his nervous yeah. breakdown and that's why he's dancing about in his room and He's dancing around in his room, having like a oh, malaria mate, the, fever um, dream. That was actually him having a nervous on, breakdown. On that, the malaria and Marlon malaria Brando fever dreams. Oh mate, do you remember when we had Larry in uh, in Kenya? 
Oh my god! Any anyone who's ever had that drug, <laughs> malaria, yeah. I don't even think you give it you out could for forget. malaria treatment now. I know the army give it out for, for quite a long time, but Jesus Christ, you, you rarely get it now. <laughs> not fun, not fun at all. I would. Yeah. Think, well, I remember when I was, had malaria. Boy, I stopped taking my malaria tablets for a bit because it made me feel really ill. Um, and my viewers like, well, you know, if it happens to me, malaria is the least of my worries. And looking at it now, I'm like. I definitely should have took him. <laughs> like, malaria is not a good thing, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the larium just... Yeah, oh. it's not great. Anyway, it's been dropped strain again. Just... <laughs> oh, nasty. So, so that's fine, mate. So they, yeah. they, they basically they took too much drugs and they had um, they had a bit of a wild time making this film. Yeah. Marlon Brando paid the director a million dollars because they were over budget for production and everything. <laughs> But only if he could write the end of the movie. <laughs> so he just rewrote the end yeah. of the movie completely and wrote all the weird yeah. script. So it's it's good for like two thirds, in my opinion. When the, it's quite comical about war, and I guess not a lot of people who were in the film had experienced Vietnam because yeah. it came out in like the late seventies, seventy eight or something like that. So there wasn't like a lot of returning people. It wasn't very sympathetic to the yeah, yeah. Um, the veterans of Vietnam. Because a lot of them hadn't mm. probably were probably still in shock about what had happened, um, and then yeah, so it's good for two thirds in my opinion, and then the last third it just goes a bit weird because Marlon Brando's writing the words down yeah. and saying all sorts of random stuff. Yeah, basically, yeah, he, he said to the director, right, it's, it's, "This is my movie now." Yeah, and yeah. give him a million quid out of his paycheck. So I, I love that film though, especially the the sort of. And the, you'll see, I guess we'll talk about this in the other films as well, in Platoon and in, um, in Full Metal Jacket especially, there's a lot of like humour elements. Yeah. Some of that's horrendous, like we talk about war. So um, the Ride of the yeah. Valkyries bit in Apocalypse Now is iconic. Um, and even though it's brutal, what's happening? Yeah, the surfing bit is amazing. And his old speech about napalm yeah, and the fact that he, yeah. he just calls in an airstrike to like, so the artillery's yeah. gone so he can get his boys out surfing is crazy. I think what's but, what's interesting is, kind of funny. Um, you know, those films to, to me are, are worth mentioning for, for being like influential um, because obviously they're, they're the first type of like, you know, military films that we watched in those um, influential years whilst we were all in like cadets and stuff. So, you know, it gives you this drive to, to want to, join yeah, the military yeah. more if that's what you're already thinking about you know at the age of like 14 15 um you know but nowadays obviously the, you know i don't know right or wrong you know the the way that my my view is the way the military recruit at the minute is it's done it a poor in a poor fashion you know the the adverts that are on tv now in my you know they wouldn't inspire me to join um and i know that a lot of the you know the military and veteran community feel the same way like you know the the, the shocking um However, when we were kids, you know, it was all like be the best. And, you know, um, the only way we haven't shied away from the adverts for recruitment have been the Marines. You know, they, they've nailed it every time and, and got a really good production company who are doing them. Um, you know, so like these films are the things that like influenced you, whereas young lads who are joining now are influenced by like, you know, films about Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, playing Call of Duty, um, all that type of stuff. There's more. There's more there now. I think, um, for you know, for, for for that influential phase of you know being a young lad. Yeah, I think there's a wider voice as well about um, 
like Born on the Fourth of July and other films like that, they they didn't just. It's not so. Those films we're talking about, Apocalypse Now and and other ones, they don't have to deal too much with the war. Platoon's different. There's a lot of consequence yeah. for actions with the the conflict, but a lot of them don't have to deal with it. The 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 things of conflict. The the uh, yeah. what's the word on that? Yeah, the consequences mm, of conflict. Yes, like a lot yeah. of modern films do. Um. Platoon's slightly different because it was actually based yeah. on someone's real life experiences. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's ha- so. I guess that's hard to to fit back into how we were, the mentality I had when I was younger, where mm. I was like really interested in the military and having a military career, and really attracted to aspects of that. And and those films really lean heavily on like the brotherhood element, the team stuff, all that. You know, you you're only as strong as your weakest individual. All those sort of things that are really positive traits that the military are great at it's exploiting yeah. is one word, but also like yeah, gifting exactly. and developing yeah. as, a, as characters. I think so. So moving on slightly from, from yeah. that genre of films. Now we didn't mention this one yesterday. It's only because I re-saw a clip uh, for both of these yesterday. <laughs> we, we, we were chatting. Um, Den of Thieves um, sort of pushing on from that. So anyone who hasn't seen Den of Thieves, um, awesome film. It's basically a group of, um, villains who are all ex-military uh, and they cut around stealing um, like armoured trucks and banks and things like that but doing it in a really calculated that brotherhood way but obviously when they're when they're met with violence so when the police come and start shooting at them they meet violence with you know strategically planned violence in return so iconic scene on that is a guy let's rip down a street with a belt fed and just absolutely goes mad and then you know, fight, the, the pairs fight manoeuvre down the road. It's Crikey. almost like a modern take on that scene in Heat. Um, after the bank, you know, um, and again, oh, yeah, amazing, film. yeah. But another good film, The Town, again, another, you know, another armed robbery, um, themed film. Oh, yeah. Um, not got the best storyline to it, I don't think, but it's still quite, um, like a gripping film again about, you know, like, you know two lads who are, who are from this crime background, but. You know, look at each other like the brothers. Um, and again, I think, you know, any sort of young lad, because th- those type of films definitely appeal more to, to young lads, I think. Um, you know, because I know plenty of girls who buy cottage just guns and shoot, and I'm not interested where lads are like, let's, 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 get, let's get it on. Let's watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, fire. Um, yeah, so, explosions. Yeah, fact, <laughs> it's like playing um, Sherrod's Fire. Mate, an iconic film of our youth, and I know there's a couple of five who listen to this. You definitely mm-hmm. watch this film, Backdraft. Backdraft. Oh, Backdraft, mate! What? What, the a, what a slamming film geez, that is! Like, it's I'm, awesome. Like, I'm not a fireman. I've never done any fireman work, or you know, I've worked alongside some firemen with search and rescue and stuff, but never, you know, put BA on and gone into a fire. However, what I do know is. I wouldn't kneel down next to you and tell you to put your mask back on whilst you're fighting a fire. Well, I'm there with just a white cotton shirt on, <laughs> being like, "Get up! Don't let it know you're afraid." And pushing you through the door, you know. And, um, God, yeah, backdraft. What a film! I remember watching that as a small child, probably about eight or ten years old, and I genuinely believe that's what a fireman would be like, being like, "I want to fight fires." That's what I want to do. Uh, until I started watching Platoon and stuff, and then that was it. Then yeah. set onto the military. Um, but yeah, mate, backdraft. You go, we go. <laughs> what an epic film! Really good. 
Amazing, yeah. You go, we go. Yeah, there's a load of... Um, one. <laughs> yeah, one of the Baldwins. <laughs> the Baldwins. That's such an endorsement. Um, for, yeah, so... For that family. I think it was uh, Willie The youngest Baldwin. one, I think. I think it's the youngest one. But so I don't um, know. Correct right me in then, the so comments, another, guys. I'll name one, you name one. Because these came out at a very similar sort of time. And I know we watched one them. Then. Pretty close together. Um, American History X. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Edward Norton special. And I would say um, Fight Club's got to be yeah. right up there in terms of now, the influential again, films. Again, that might sound a little bit mad. One is about violence and one is about... Well, one is about a fight club and people fighting. Uh, and one is about... Um, one is essentially a white power gang movie. Um, I say that influential because, again, we watched them at a time of our lives where, um, you know, you're a young lad, you know, and all you kind of want to watch is people fighting and, and stuff like that. What... I think there's a yeah. I think yeah. Big talk on like male yeah. identity and around those films and appreciating them when I was younger for like the brutal sort of cinematography, a lot of the violence, a lot of the 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 cool mm. factor of some of these people um, being portrayed on screen and like you know they were powerful yeah. and like angry. Yeah, and I you felt that way when I was, when I was a teenager. To, to... You don't, you don't have a Definitely life experience to way. understand the characters is what you do when you watch it as an adult. Yeah, some of the depth. Yeah. So yeah, when you when you watch it back, you're like, wow, this is this is even more layered than I thought because mm-hmm. I love it because of nostalgic reasons. But also look at like the journey this character's gone on. So certainly in, in American History X, Ed Norton's character in there, he starts off as a I won't ruin it for everyone, but he starts off as he's established when you when you meet the characters yeah. established in a in a white power gang, isn't he? And he he um is a neo-Nazi. And he's really vocal about that. But he's he's also that like a lot of a lot of these sort of people are portrayed in yeah. um as like a, sort of knuckle draggers. Very educated. You know, they're like they're not mm. intelligent or whatever, but, but he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's very educated and, and very charismatic. And it makes him more da- even more dangerous. He's not just like buff and like angry. He's he's smart as well, and that that's that makes him more dangerous as a character. And you you're kind yeah. of afraid of him when he's on screen. And then he he has a change of of opinions and theology, doesn't it? Massively because he he finds he's rejected. Once he's no longer required, yeah. he's rejected by his own gang and his own race. And he has to he has to find some mm. commonality with people of different colours, and save his brother essentially from a similar. Yeah. See now, uh, watching, path that, watching that film as, as a kid, um, so good. Well, kid, you know, young adult. Um, <laughs> just drop mum and dad into the body. Yeah, five year old. Yeah, the iconic scene that everyone know that film for really is you know the incredible violence done on her curbside. Um, However, watching it back as an adult now, especially yeah. everything that's just gone on with what happened in the States with George Floyd and the whole backlash of all that, um, you know, watching it from an, from an adult mind with some life experience, the dinner scene where they have an argument about um, Rodney King. You, yeah, you watch amazing. that one Elliot scene Gould's again, amazing in and that. like how he puts his argument across um, is, is incredibly, you know, is, is, is well-educated how he puts his argument across. And he loses his temper because it's just dismissed because um, it's not a it's not a train of thought that everyone would would agree with. 
Um, which again, that, that helps fuel this guy's character becoming um, you know, more and more violent, effectively. Um, he, yeah, because he's very much yeah, like, well, I'm not a bit militant about it, doesn't he? So, and, and what's interesting is the director, um, I believe the director's a, a person of colour. So, like, you could transpose the experience of mm. this sort of militant white person onto um, other people being dismissed, other colours, other uh, races and, and religions and other viewpoints beyond the, the mainstream sort yeah. of like established white male figure as being also being dismissed. So it's, it's a, he's using, it's really clever that he's using this vehicle of the person that is opposite to him, as in like opposite race, opposite viewpoint, opposite, like yeah. close-minded, quite violent and using that to express a view that he is frustrated with about being dismissed by society, wider society or, or, or comfortable society or middle-class society in that case around the dinner table. It's, it's a really clever yeah. juxtaposition because some people would have complained that that film celebrates mm. like white violence and, and white power and all, and all the iconography, but they're not really, they're just looking at the, some yeah. of the stills from it and well, making when you watch that judgment, it from both sides, you know, they're not really dead. You see a very good argument on, on, on both sides, not argument, but you see the lifestyle of both sides and the consequences of your decisions don't just affect you, they affect everyone. Um, on, on that sort of, yeah, I want to say genre of film, I don't really class like you know, white power film as, as a genre, I don't think. Um, there's two other films that are sort of very similar. Um, one of them is called Skin. Um, that's quite a recent film. Um, that is set off um, a young lad's journey uh, of almost being like adopted into this white power Viking brotherhood. Um, you know, very much like, well, you're doing it for the, the family, they call it, and they're doing it for the family, like it's for us. Uh, and every time they do something, um, if, you know, any weight to, to it, uh, they get a different tattoo. Um, and this guy ends up completely covered, like his face is tattooed. Um, his hands and, and stuff like that. But it's done in a way so that when your face is tattooed, obviously, there's no hiding your identity then. It's like, well, this is how, how high up I am in this gang because yeah. it's on my face. Um, now, what happens is, it's, it's a true story, this, this, this young lad um, is met by um, this, this guy. I think he's in the police, I'm not too sure, but he's, he's met by this, this black guy who's just come out of a, a, a black gang. Um, and his, his job is to take people out of extremism and reintegrating back into normal society, but only when they're ready and they want to. So part of this guy's journey for years was having all his tattoos mm -hmm. removed. Um, and it's there's not much violence in the film, to be oh, fair. Wow. It's pretty brutal, though. Like, you know, it's a, there's bits in it. I watched it being like, wow, that's a bit, a bit rough, that. Um, but it's because, obviously, it's so, it's so far away from yeah. everyday life. It's a modern film. Um, there's another one very similar, um, I think it was a British-made film. It's only small, um, called Green Room, and Patrick Stewart is the head of a white power gang. Um, in that film, and it's about a gang, a, right. a gang, a group of musicians who go into, you know, do a private gig at a, a white power event and get locked in a green room. Um, it's about escaping this this gang, basically. That's mega violent. Um, but it was what was it for me? Interested? I would say I know Patrick wow. Stewart is like. Charles Xavier, you know, um, Captain Kirk from Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so to see him in a film... Voice of the mutants, a, a proper, you know. 
you know, a proper nasty guy. Um, yes, mate. So that's a great film. Um, that's a good... Yeah, well worth watching. I need to check that out. Mate, no, the Shakespearean actors can really do a lot. And it's interesting that he's took a role out because he's, he's, you know, he's quite, um, quite a big, I wouldn't say political figure, but he, he does lend his credibility to a lot of good causes around, you know, um, rights. And a, apparently the big attraction to those um, X-Men films was about, it, it's a comment on yeah. how we treat people that are different than us. So for him to be then, you know, the, the Professor <laughs> X of yeah, neo-Nazi I mean... gang is... Um, <laughs> It's an interesting career. Again, I, th- like, you know, I think, I think again, it's, it's almost like, you know, like this, this imagination world, if you will, like to feed your imagination, because obviously that way of life is so far removed from what most people live their life. Um, it almost gives you like an insight into, yeah. into that, that, that view and that world. So um, especially that film skin, that's, that's an incredible, apparently it's a book that, um, that is an incredible film. That's that's well worth a watch. Right. Um, well, it's one that you've got out. to kind of put on and, and watch freely. You can't like you know turn it off and come back to it. You've, you've got to you've got to sit and do it. Um, yeah. I think with with about twenty minutes left, mate, it's well worth mentioning some of the documentary type films. Um, you know that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you when you do a lot in the outdoors, um, you know, climbing, diving, mountain biking, anything like that. You know, obviously you you're keen to see these other people do these yeah. things and there's some interesting stuff coming out uh, in the past sort of 10 years with how accessible it is for people to record what they're doing now. Um, the first, when I was when I was getting ready to go to, to PLAS um, and do my courses and things like that, I spent um, a year pretty much solid, as you know, just hill walking and climbing. That's, that's all we did for, for 12 months. Um like literally like Monday to Friday for 12 months. I just went in the outdoors. Um, amazing. I learned a lot from it. Um, definitely things that I, that were of benefit, that of benefit to going and doing my qualifications. Um, it was an incredibly sort of selfish, motivated, driven way of getting them. Um, but I knew that I needed, to, I needed that time to, to, to do it. Um, so in the process of doing that, as well as reading all the different books that you've got to do and, and learning, a great way to learn is obviously watch other people. And I watched a film called The Asgard Project. A um, couple of famous climbers to note. Um, Leo Holden leads the sort of the expedition. Um, Sean Leary, or Stan Lee, sadly, he's passed away now. Um, Jason Pickles is in it. And then there's another guy in it who's a young Spanish lad, but he, he doesn't, he's not in the whole film, so I can't remember his name. Um, and what they do is they parachute into Baffin Island, do the first ascent of a route that's been tried a couple of times, this multi-day, multi-pitch route. Um, and then they wingsuit base jump off the top. So it could get much more like, let's watch a climbing film. Watching that. They've done a couple as well. They've done one called Artana as well, which is they had to kind of like be smuggled into the jungle, um, climb it. Yeah, it's illegal where they were going. They weren't given permission to go there, so they kind of like smuggle their way. That's a great documentary. Um, yeah. Well, then, what's mad is when I started, um, so after watching them, I also watched another one called Psyche, which is like loads of small clips of people climbing in like the Peak District and Clamberis and stuff like that. There's a few on Sky and things. Um, there's a guy in it called um, James McAfee. Now, James McAfee ended up, you know, he's a world-famous climber. He ended up being one of my instructors at Posse Brennan. 
So I was proper like starstruck by this guy being like, well, I've watched him on the He's a mint climber, yeah, um, no but a very sort of humble, you know, it's not, not no one in this world is sort of gobs off about what they've done, which is great about being in the outdoors. You know, no one's very much like, yeah, well, I've done this, this and this. It, it doesn't really happen. Um, but then obviously when I worked at the climbing wall, Jason Pickles is like, you know, from Manchester. So he used to be in the climbing wall all the time. I remember the first time he came in, I was like, he's exactly how he is on the films. <laughs> very like, right, lad. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, they're great. But, um, <laughs> another one as well, just I posted today about it after our conversation last night um, about power kiting. Um, there was a flexi-foil video, like a VHS. Oh, yeah. um, and that was like just loads of little clips of people power kiting because back when we were kids, it had just been launched as like a sport. Um, and obviously that led me through my life doing like a lot of power kiting. I know you have as well. And I've now got, you know, a five meter power kite, which is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's unreal isn't it it's just insane oh, i'm looking forward to getting out on that especially because it's been really hard to do last year because you need a lot of open space and all the restrictions are going to and from wales because basically you even need southport beach or or somewhere in wales on the beach basically to do it because we've learned our lessons about doing it in open fields you get you know slammed into like the, the only brick yeah, you end up be in a bush or a... where you get dragged through like you know loads of crap and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, or hit a oh, fence. That's, yeah, that hurt as well. I remember getting that's not nice. Picked up and then dropped on yeah, the white fence. Digging your lines yeah. out of a fence oh. is not fun. Uh, anyway, go on then, because I know you've got you, you're a big mountain biker, so I know you've got some quality. So yeah, mountain biking one. Uh, certainly, the time I was getting really into my mountain biking around the mid two thousands, there was a number of films come up for uh, by a group called the Collective, and they were like filmmakers from yeah. America and Canada. And Canada's like the, the spiritual home of mountain biking. So there's three films that they've done called The Collective, Rome, yeah. and Seasons. Um, they're all really good. They're all different, different enough to like warrant getting the thing. Rad riding, short sections, probably 20-minute sections of different people mm-hmm. riding, some of the best riders in the world. Um, it, it, they've aged a little bit because yeah. they are of their time. But the storytelling's really good in them. Especially Rome's got a lot of um like it's all about exploring new places. Yeah, and Rome, that's an interesting Rome one I noticed in that one. Well, um, I, and, I was gonna say like Rome is like Sorry, my dad on. was the one who told me to watch that because at the time, you know, part of his job was doing a lot of mountain bike and um, like guiding and stuff. And you know, I'd not been in the army that long and I was doing a lot of mountain biking with him. Uh, and he said, I oh, watch watch this watch this film called Rome. So I was like, all right, I'll get on it. Um and just the trailer itself is like incredible but yeah the start of it's mint isn't it that like uh, john butler trio song going on and it's all about like the exploring yeah. i think it's morocco at the start well, of it they filmed a lot oh, of that mint. cable cam and then they used drones to do it so there's like dragging oh yeah they did yeah like 30 mile an hour like 10 foot from the floor on a cable like holding a camera like this is what i mean like they're, they're, they've aged yeah, like, the film yeah. how we were shot at the time was like that was like cutting edge for you know, I think it was like 2005, 2007 yeah. time, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, around that mid 2000s time. Yeah, amazing, really. And um, I remember seeing in the first one and I think in seasons as well, there's a bit where they do like onboard, um, onboard, on ride, onboard riding. So it's, it's like a point of view camera, like you would on a GoPro, you yeah. see GoPro footage now or other you know cameras are available but it's got like um 
a 16 millimeter film camera strapped to his helmet yeah. and it must weigh yeah. a ton. And a guy had a thick neck when I was doing that and he's like snapping around corners at like yeah. two and a half G and this camera's like coming with him. And they, they had to, um, they dug out all the tracks, the lines and different things, but they had to make like less rocky terrain so yeah. the camera wouldn't like <laughs> get shut to death. Before gimbals and before in-camera <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's... Um... Yeah, there's, before there's all a girl that. Who, who follows um, what's her name? Uh, Cockapoochin. Like, I'm sure that I'm sure that's her Instagram name, Cocko underscore Poochin. Um, she does a lot of mountain biking. Um, got an awesome bike, to be fair. When when she got the newest GoPro, I remember she posted it. And I was like, let me know what the new GoPro is like, and she sent me a clip of her riding down a track in Rivington, and the in-camera stabilization on the new GoPro is incredible so if you haven't got a new gopro stick it on your list of things yeah. to get because like i remember when i got the hero one and the hero two and i've got a session at the minute um and i've deliberately waited to, for him to catch up because it's like they'll only if like, you know if they give it two years the gap of you know of having a gopro for two years when it you know when you get one it's going to be like they're going to be hard to match it the one that they've released now um I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle to put anything into that camera going forward that will make it better. To be fair, um, it's awesome, mate. Yeah, yeah, the amazing bits of kit and the, the really revolutionised. Um, yeah, how people collect these things, and I guess it's another yeah, tool yeah. for well, filmmakers to use. So a lot of well, all the mountain biking things you follow, a lot of the a lot of it is sport, like sports led. Mm. So the downhill cup a lot of the money from mountain biking comes out of that those yeah. sort of sponsorship things so they all take videos of their course runs so when they do it the next time they know what corners to hit they know what was faster there's a lot of analysis in there because it, you know you're talking about tenths of a second separating yeah. you from the victory and a lot of the companies that sponsor these people they want content to up the sponsorship so they've invested in getting like proper filmmakers like the parking brothers different people clay porter um, and making these sort of documentaries that you can watch on a weekly. So people are tuning in and they'll make a load of money back on yeah. YouTube hits or um, Pink Bike or whoever. It's it's a good business model. And go in a product like the GoPro has, um, has revolutionised that sort of um, swiftness and other platforms to share yeah. it on Instagram and things like that. The swiftness at which you can um, communicate with these well, think- people. You know, on the them, the, the riders in the world. Like, um, you can use Red Bull as an example, you know, because like it's very rare that I'll drink Red Bull because it's just poison. <laughs> um, however, they're, they're an amazing <laughs> it's bad for you. Um, marketing company that offer a product. And you could argue that GoPro has pretty much gone that way. You know, GoPro, an amazing marketing company that offer a product that has led them to become how big, you know, because if you're yeah. sponsored by like, if you're sponsored by Red Bull or GoPro, you know, you're done. That's that you made it really. You know, in the, in the outdoors, yeah, you're happy days, aren't you? Yeah, you're I mean, gonna be um, okay. You only have to look at some of the people who do like you know base jumping and stuff like that. Who are sponsored by GoPro or wingsuiting, you know, um, to get to these places yeah. to do that as a hobby, especially if you live in like the UK, there's a lot of traveling involved abroad and things like that. Let alone the cost that comes with these sports, um, mountain biking again. You know, um, you could argue it's a cheap hobby because once you've got your bike, arguably you've got your tool to go and do your your hobby but we all know that it doesn't it isn't like that you know 
I think if me and you only had like one hobby, like if I only did climbing and nothing else, or you know, I only did photography and, not, and nothing else, my kit would be mint. But because I've got so many different hobbies, it's quite, it, it mm. becomes, this is what I said the other day on, 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 I can't remember which one it was now, one episode of the podcast, like there's a difference between a hobby and a lifestyle. You know, a hobby is something you do for enjoyment and fun. And a lifestyle is, you know, you change your life to fit in with what you want to do is, 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 you know, for adventure and good things and all that sort of stuff. Like I argued that for me, yeah. um, archery for me isn't a hobby because when, when the club's open, uh, because it isn't at the minute, sadly, uh, I was going every, I'm go, I go every single day before work, you know, so I get an hour's worth of shooting in every single day because it's something that I enjoy doing. Um, so I had to take it mm. from being a hobby. It's something that I would do every now and again to make it part of my lifestyle, you know, so there's, cause there's a lot involved in just that one hobby. Same with like, you know, climbing or mountaineering, you can't just do that one discipline. You have to, there's a lot of fitness involved around it as well. Cause it's cardio intensive and things like that, you know, so you've got to become well-rounded, I think is what I'm saying. So if you had one hobby to do and you could focus on one, it'd be dead cheap, but it's not when you do it. Well, it, yeah, it never is. And then also the, the people that, that, the market and sell this idea of whatever it is, freedom or, you know, yeah. these lofty ideals, um, elite performance, yeah. fitness and all that. They are selling that to you sometimes. They sell you back exactly. your experiences. Yeah, exactly. So I think we could have a really I'm good just conversation. Thinking, yeah, that's, that's like maybe for another episode. episode. Which would actually be a really good one to be fair. <laughs> I'd, 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 I think I'd like to do, yeah, I'd like to do something around that about, um, Fell running yes, is the perfect. Exactly. That's that's the when you said that it's like, another episode. Cheap thinking, hobby, in my opinion. Yeah, because that is incredibly cheap, but you get a lot back from it if you avoid injury. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah, like injuries normally. Yeah, if you can avoid running recently, but um, I felt like it's either a tendon issue or a shin splint, one of the two. Um, and so I've had to rest for like a week, but when I first did it, it was kind of like I was coming back from a run, being like. I think I had about 4K left, and I was like, that hurts. And I thought, I'll just run through it because I'm not walking. They got to the point where I was like, I've, that's an injury. That isn't like a niggling pain of uncomfort. That is a that is an injury. <laughs> um, and it is, yeah. So I've just had yeah. the rest of it. And every runner's had them, and yeah. that's, that's a problem. But yeah. I think we can. We're going we'll, 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 we'll do another we'll one. Yeah, so we've, got, we've got about five minutes left, mate. So I know Mint. you wanted to do, you wanted something to mention, didn't you, towards the end? Yeah, so um, we're just on some do- more documentaries that I've watched recently. Uh, I'll go through a quick, quick one of them and yeah. where you can find some because we can talk about them all day. But I'll give you that quick, quick synopsis for them. So there's a really good one called Free Solo. That's the Alex Hanold um, documentary where he, he free soloing is a form of climbing for those who don't know, where you use no ropes yeah. and no protection, and essentially you go up unaided yeah. upper climb um and he does a world El first. Capitan yeah in, yeah world first in yosemite and that's like nearly two thousand meters high so um th- there's a documentary that follows him around during that process and what's the most interesting thing for me is like his mental um preparations yeah. for it which is obviously a big mm. part of where it's at um not not least of all is is um 
his physical preparations, but he's well, a world well, class man. His character as well, um, because he got a lot of hate for that. He copped a lot of hate in the community. Because well, everyone was like, you, you know, you're going to give a, our community um, a bad image, you know, because what you're doing is reckless. That's what people said to him. And he was like, yeah, but it's my choice. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's up to me what I do. Um, so for someone to, in his position and his level of climbing is, is astounding, you know, to, to have the backbone to go well tough and doing it anyway, yeah, it you know. Yeah, he, he, there's a bit in the film where his friends are like almost talking him out of it, and they all have to have a conversation about like what he might yeah. be coming back here. Yeah, and and worst of all, we'll be we'll film his demise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's why. He and we've got to make a living, it, so we're we're gonna we're gonna like yeah cash yeah. in for that. Yeah, not and not like in a mean way, but like I've, I've not spent six months of my my year, my working year, following this guy around for a project. Like, whatever happens, I have yeah. to document that. And that's an interesting bit of the com- like the film that he does. So that's I think that's on Disney Plus at the minute, and it's it's on, got it's that, on Amazon as well. Free to watch. Well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, amazing! <clears throat> I watched one the other day um, that your brother recommended to me called oh, mate, Last yeah. Breath. That is amazing, and that is a mint. Yeah, it is mint. Uh, isn't it? Um... So that's all about. I'll I'll just summarize it again. It's, that's about um, deep water commercial yeah. diving. Um, and there's a, a group of divers that go to do some work on the oil fields outside of Aberdeen, about 15 hours um, mm. sail from Aberdeen. And um, during the thing, there's a there's a disaster. During the dive, there's a disaster. And a diver is left stranded at, at 100 metres depth. And there's a rescue attempt made. And then that, that's sort of the premise so, of the, the show. J- just to touch on and that, then, but... They go on. It's it's yeah, so, when so saying, good. You know, um, he's stranded. They're doing saturation diving, so you dive on an umbilical. Um, his umbilical snaps. He ends up separated from the boat, effectively. Um, now, obviously, yeah. you know, he lives through it. It's a documentary. Um, doctors to this day don't know how he isn't brain dead and and lived through that event. Um, What's great about that though yeah, is, is it's so um, good because it is a documentary and it is a true story that happened. The interview the people who were there, you see the effect that that had on. Because when you when you when he speaks about his experiences of being left and he's very calm about it, but the guys who were diving with he him is, yeah. are not okay. Uh, it's quite clearly had an effect on their life. Yeah, I'm going to try and get Dave on um, to have a chat about diving because I know he's done a lot of diving with. Um, my dad and the importance of having a good dive buddy and, and things like that. So that'll be, yeah, watch Last Breath if you've not seen it, because that is an amazing documentary. So, um, so good. Um, and there's another one that it's I've got a soft spot for it because it's a great like documentary and it documents a time in adventure history where there was en- well, seemingly anything was possible. It's called Endeavour. Everest by canoe. It's on YouTube. You can watch it right for now. And it's it, it's from the seventies. It's an old film from the seventies. So you have to give it some leeway because some of the like attitudes and stuff in the in the seventies are different yeah. to they are now. But if you want to see some people just saying, right, here's a mad idea, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do it. There is a, it was a bunch of students. Um, my father my father-in-law actually he used to do yeah. a lot of kayaking, and at the same time that he was at university, these people were coming to notoriety. And it was a smaller community of kayakers yeah. back then. 
So we knew a few of them that went. A lot of them were from Leeds University. They all got in a Bedford van and drove from from Le- from England, different parts of the UK, and drove all the way to Kathmandu, <laughs> and then paid a load of porters to carry reinforced fiberglass kayaks up the side of Lotsey yeah. and and get in the river where it's I dark. think I've seen this, you know. So like I think I've seen this. It, you probably have done. Some I saw it first on this old show called Trans World yeah. Sport, and it was like um, they were celebrating. Someone had actually completed it based on what they'd done because they go and it and it just goes wrong yeah. straight away. The, the kayaks the shit basically they don't work. It's like the kayaks that you'd borrow from yeah. like a scout I don't know <laughs> centre parks are better than the kayaks they took. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Oh no, it's worth, worth, I do remember. So it, it it's just mm. great. Because it, it it just seems to me of like right we're going to do this, and they took themselves. Well, they were the, they were some of the best around, and they took themselves quite seriously in terms of the preparation, the endeavour, the stuff they must have had to go through to go on the trip. But looking back now with the the high tech sort of things that are available to us, it's almost yeah. comical yeah, when you yeah, watch definitely. it back. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Right, mate. well, we're about time. Um, thank you right, very mate. much for coming and doing a take two because. I can't even stress you how annoyed I was last night when it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Wrong. Yeah, it was it was frustrating, but yeah, technology yeah, does that. We'll get on and we'll do another one uh, in the week at some point, definitely. Eggs, Mint. thanks for joining us, everyone. Well, thank you very yeah, much for your time. Care, Stay safe. You Bye too. Bye. Bye.